0: That's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW report we were prohibited by loss. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, college football fans across the nation, and I do mean across the nation and around the world, and I do mean around the world because this is this isn't. Uh, we're not my my co-pilot Austin Ward and I are not going to be talking about earth-shattering news here, but is it? It is interesting, Austin, as uh, we're like a few days away from Ohio State spring scrimmage, spring fling, spring get together. Uh, it's not so much just what we saw in that scrimmage, but just what we've had a feel through the spring drills over the last month, that this could be a really damn good football team. I'm talking about Ohio State, and that's what I'm talking about. When we talk about Ohio State, we're talking about the national picture because they're always in the national picture. But it looks like it could be front row and center in that national picture this year if things keep progressing especially on the defensive side like we saw them do in the spring. Do you agree with me? And, by the way, welcome back into the co-pilot seat again.
1: It's my pleasure to be here. Um, Yeah, I think that this team is good. Uh, I think that it's very talented. I think that they have made uh, intriguing coaching moves. A lot of things that we've been saying for a month uh, or more now uh, throughout spring camp and, and even further back, than that into February on signing day and, and the announcement of these, you know, four new position coaches and, and defensive coordinator, Jim Knowles. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, we're not breaking a lot of ground in that respect. I thought Saturday was a great format for learning a lot more about Ohio state, um, for everyone who was there Agreed. Now, <laughs> still not, you know, a full football game. And, and I don't think that, uh, there's ever a need for that to come back. Um, the way that, uh, uh, our friend uh, Bobby Carpenter used to play with the three hours and, and Jim Trestle getting them going for a full afternoon. Those I don't
0: plays. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, those,
1: those don't need to come back. Uh, but I thought that was a really good compromise for what, uh, you know, f- people that want to make their own evaluations about the depth chart and what they see and what they feel about Ohio State moving forward. Saturday was a great opportunity to do that. Um, they're few and far between in this offseason. So that was uh, fantastic. And I think that the other part of it for what you're saying about the national race, and we can him and haw about the value of ESPN's FPI. Um, once upon a time, I had to more passionately defend it than I might now. But whatever you think about it, they had Ohio State as a 27% chance of winning the national championship. That's an incredibly high number to peg on anybody. It's not a gambling odd. That's not, you know, whether it's a perfect formula or not, doesn't matter. This team, I think it was like 50% to get to the college football playoff and 27% to win a national title. Um, that tells you how strongly people and numbers feel about what this, what is on this roster and what they have the chance to do. And so any opportunity to go see them practice and hit and tackle and take to the ground and throw the football around and all that, hey, I know you and I were were thrilled for that opportunity to be in the
0: press box at the Horseshoe on Saturday you know what, as we look at this team now headed forward, you know, uh, I'm talking to Orlando Pace right after the scrimmage was over the other day. I'm going to have him uh, high up in my story I'm doing about this velocity, this trajectory of the defense, because, you know, this is the greatest offensive lineman I've ever seen play the game. And the first thing out of his mouth, what impressed him the most, he said, was the defense. There's just a feel about the Ohio State defense. And, you know, my famous line, I'm going to keep repeating it, uh, but – if they're just twenty five percent better than they were a year ago, this could be a hell of a team. You just get, you just keep getting the sense they're going to be a lot better than that. And and yeah, some of it is because I really enjoy talking to Jim Knowles. You know, I mean, he's convinced me, and uh, it appears he's convinced a lot of players out there. Because, for example, we saw freshman Kyle Stokes just playing at a high velocity in that game. There's a guy who could work his way into playing time. I think you agree with me. And obviously, Spencer Holbrook had him as a as an impact player, at least for the spring game, a flash guy. And he definitely flashed many times, but that was just an example of these guys playing with a lot of speed of seeming to know what their role is and, and taking uh, care of that role. Do you agree with me? There, there is that sense that this defense is onto something. Yeah. And we've only seen probably
1: 25% or less of what Jim Knowles wants to do. And, you know, I, I mentioned this this story on Bo Bishop Bishop and Friends on Monday morning about you, know, you and I were uh, – we were allowed to be at the coaches' clinic. Ryan Day continued to open up the doors, and we have always taken advantage of that, both you and I have, to try and understand at a higher level than just a pure basic intro to football one-on-one, which is about where I am normally. Right. And, and, and scuttlebutt, but go ahead. Yeah, yeah well, I mean <laughs> – not to digress, but my my expertise is, is dealing with the humans involved and telling their stories, not what they actually do when they're out there. I will always, always, always defer to the coaches and players on that and never <laughs> pretend otherwise. But I do want to make an effort whenever I'm allowed to, to understand it at that kind of level. I think that that's important to try uh, and then to be able to pass along some of that context. So the point of that digression is – Jim Knowles presented for 30, 45 minutes or so, and he was looking at the 4 and basically he showed one alignment and then 20 different options that he could show out of the same alignment. And why is that important? Well, because he is trying to force the offense into a state of confusion and the way that he, and he was basically showing how every position out of the 11 could do that based on different responsibilities. Now, that's not – every defense wants to do that. And that should be your goal. But the way he was doing it, I think I carried that, you know, in my mind into Saturday. Now, they didn't blitz. They didn't do a ton of dropping the Jack Leo into coverage. Wait, wait a minute.
0: They, you know what's bugging me out? They did it a lot when Caden Curry was in there. And I'm just going, I want to watch him – Rush the passer instead they had to because obviously they wanted him to practice dropping off into the zone, you know, and stuff. But I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I was just that was one of my disappointments from that uh, scrimmage. But go ahead now. <laughs>
1: yeah, I mean, I, I definitely noticed when Jack Sawyer did that early yep. on. In the yep. Not something that normally I'd be paying that close of attention to, to be completely honest about it. But just trying to think about that and what he what Jim Knowles wants to accomplish. And there were a couple of things about that that he stressed which is sometimes he will make a specific call. It doesn't matter if we're talking about the jack or the adjuster or the bandit. You're going to take this one player, and it's not going to be a read. It's not going to be a key. You're, this is what you're going to do, and you're going to fire on the back or you're going to drop to this landmark. And I know, again, that's part of coaching, but some of it just seems like it just clicked like, well, that's much easier. And if you have really fast guys, really strong guys, really athletic guys, which Ohio State clearly has, and then you're saying this is basically going to let the defensive coordinator play his chess game in call and against matching up against the offensive coordinator and taking a lot of the thinking out of it for the players. I'm not saying that the system is not complicated or that they don't have to learn a lot of things, but there are going to be plays where, hey, Jack Sawyer, you just run at the quarterback or – Kai Stokes, you're just going to run to this spot at the field. We're trying to funnel a throw there, and we're going to hope that a turnover comes out of it because we're, we've got other things going in motion. And I think that's what I watched happen with Kai Stokes one time. When I think what I saw what happened with Jordan Hancock on another play, that he wasn't doing a ton of complicated things, but there were enough moments where you thought, here's a base alignment, but something more complicated than them just playing
0: base defense because they weren't. This Is the beauty of his defense that I have figured out is that he can take basically his quote base in quote look four two five and one alter it with one fella, yeah. And it that isn't always going to be that Leo, it's the Leo slash Jack. I wish we could get settled on what that guy's got <laughs> to be provocateur, I think, is the best yeah. thing for that. Uh, and uh. But, you know, the stand-up defensive end who's going to move around, maybe be in an A-gap one minute over an A-gap one one play uh, or line up over the A-gap and suddenly he's out over, over a C or D gap, you know, or he's rushing or he's dropping into zone or whatever. He can do it with that guy and he can do it with one of those three safeties he's going to have on the field where, you know, you want to think about those three safeties in three different terms, like a in essence a, a free safety, deep safety, a strong safety, and a uh, basically a nickel safety for one of another term. A guy was going to be a lot of times up in the up in a slot covering somebody, but it may not be the same one of those guys from one one play to the next. But right. you can, like you just pointed out, you can take two of those safeties and change their positions, and suddenly you've got a totally different defense that before the snap and after the snap that the quarterback's now reading, trying to make sense of, and uh, and if they've incorporated another guy, which is that. Leo either rushing or dropping into a zone, and you're bringing a guy running a little gambit behind him, uh, you know, from a twist standpoint or anything else with those other defensive linemen. Like he said uh, during, a, during that lecture when we are getting to watch him, he goes, you know, everybody's – the offense is always talking about eye candy this, you know, eye candy, eye candy. Well, we want to give people eye candy too on the defensive side. Eye candy means something you have to definitely pay attention to, but it may not be anything, you know. It may yeah. just be a ruse. Well, that's what he wants to – he wants to create doubt, like he said. He wants to create confusion for the quarterback. But more than that, he wants to create confusion for the offensive coordinator of the other team. And you just saw it right up there on the screen in front of you, like he said, and he even admitted, you know, for the first time, we've been talking about this since he's showed up at Ohio State, he's now got four- and five-star guys he's dealing with. Yeah, and he even in many Oklahoma State, he had like basically three star guys and a lot of good ones. Yeah, but he he accomplished turning that from like one of the laughingstock defenses in the nation four years ago to one of the elite defenses in the nation last year in the most wide open offensive uh, conference there is, and uh, that's what's intriguing. And I think that's the big the big change is coming for this football team because we know they're going to be damn good on offense. But go ahead, what, what's your take on that? Well, when I think about it, and he didn't say this, Ryan Day hasn't said this, and
1: nobody has said this. I just, when listening to him talk, and knowing you know the other places that he's been, especially playing against a lot of those wide open Big Twelve offenses, I think he, I think Jim Knowles designed a system that wants to create something three, four, five times a game. Some a turnover, a touchdown off of it, you're not going to win every single drive. Like, you weren't at Oklahoma State with that personnel or in that league. And you're certainly not going to win every time if you're trying to stop, you know, Ohio State's offense. Like, your best chance is if you can create a couple turnovers and get a couple drives and then you continue to score. Now, what I think Ryan Day is trying to accomplish and what Jim Knowles needs to accomplish is that if you, were, if you remove – five drives from the equation and you gamble to do that, but you create it, well, you're going to win the game. I mean, that's – that offense is so good. You don't have to hold the opponent to 10 points. You don't have to hold them to 17. You probably don't even have to hold them to 24. Yeah. So, again, he's going to try and do much better than that, and Jim Knowles, with that personnel that he has on hand, may be very capable of doing so with a much more dramatic improvement than the 25% – you're
0: setting as the baseline expectation. Yeah. I didn't no, I'm think... just, I, that, that's my point is I just said they only got to get 25% better. To, you know, I think yeah. they're going to be a lot better than that. I mean, just like we saw, and you and I have seen it in our lifetime. Uh, my life's a lot farther along than yours, but in our yeah. lifetime, 18 to 9, 2018 to 2019, we saw Jeff Hafley come in, change some things defensively, and then suddenly Ohio State had one of the best defenses in the country, agreed? Yeah. And I, I think that
1: where it kind of where that thinking kind of clicked to me that Jim Knowles uh, wants to be aggressive and will be aggressive and is able to live with not being perfect with what he dials up every single time is yeah he had a, you know, it was was 17 to three. I think they were down to Texas. And one of these different looks out of the base formation that he showed was a safety jumping one of these routes. And it looked exactly like kind of what we saw Kai Stokes do on Saturday, but They were losing. They hadn't got these drives. Texas was about to go ahead and score again, and they called one of these up. Safety's supposed to go right here. The football does wind up going there. Whether that was a risk, whether it was just great design, play calling, you know, whatever. It's a combination of all those things, I'm sure. Here it is. Take that shot. Make that adjustment. You get a touchdown off of the pick six. The game flips. Now, they didn't get a stop on every single drive in that game, but Right. You also have to trust that the offense is going to be able to play their part and do a little bit of that complimentary stuff. And I think that, you know, in this situation, when you're Ohio State and you're going to play such a high level of offense, you don't need a ton of help from the defense. You just don't. So that can sort of be maybe some freedom for Jim Knowles to say, I can take a chance here because if I can generate a sack or a turnover, like, well, that's it. You can help – you. That can be it. That can only be all you need to win the game. Yeah, And I think that that will, in turn, let everybody play more freely and be more aggressive and potentially more confident. If you know you don't have to be perfect on every single play and you get to play an aggressive style, you know that there's going to be opportunities for them to make big plays. That's I could be reading it completely wrong, but I just think that that's sort of the impetus for this is that Ohio State – can gamble more
0: aggressively on defense than maybe it has
1: in the last few years.
0: Yeah. But we both know that, you know, they were really they were pretty good on defense a few times last year, but when it pushed came to shove, you know, yeah. against Michigan and really against Oregon, you know, Oregon and Michigan pushed them around, shoved them around. Uh, basically, uh, the Oregon game was more of a look was more of like being snookered by their offensive coordinator, but it was still in the running game that got it done. Michigan, you know, the one thing you the one thing you can't allow is in big time games is to let the other team line up and just run the ball on you, get big plays on you running the ball. That's when you're you get really embarrassed. You can you can almost write off a guy getting beat deep a few times a game or whatever, you know. But uh, when it when a team can line up and shove you down the field by hook or crook, but shove you down the field, that is a total different dynamic for everybody involved, including your own Dauber. I mean, keeping your Dauber up. You lose your Dauber quickly in those kind of situations. That's where I'm curious to see whether this team can handle that kind of an offensive threat. I think you're going to see that from Notre Dame. Uh, And it's interesting, Notre Dame, although Notre Dame's replacing some guys offensively. But, uh, you know, it's the last game of the – of the Oklahoma State era for the Jim Knowles defense. He'll probably keep playing that defense. Was he against Notre Dame in the, in the bowl game, the Fiesta Bowl. Of course, he didn't get to coach that game, but you saw Notre Dame jump up on them early, just like Texas did. But then that defense came around just started making plays and uh, kind of embarrassed Notre Dame in the second half. And uh, I, I think that bodes well, I, in my opinion, at least for the season opener.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, and I think that there's, there's two – two different ways that will have to be used to evaluate this because the toughness part that you're referencing is like Notre Dame, Wisconsin, probably the game, those aren't necessarily scheme-centric games. Yes. At some point you do have to line up, may have to put a third linebacker on the field, maybe a fourth uh, against Wisconsin. Who knows? You're going to have to play inside the box. You're going to have to stop the run. You know, Wisconsin is going to want to line up. You know that Notre Dame's got the pro style, uh, as does Michigan. Like, those games are not going to be reliant on doing something super creative with, with your third safety or dropping a, a Leo into coverage. Like, that, that won't be how the defense is tested in those games. So there's almost, like, two different, two different seasons going on for, for Jim Knowles and this next step. Like Exactly. They're, they're going to be more experienced, and we know that they're athletic. What's the toughness part? Is the tackling better? The fundamental part, Jim Knowles, you know, has talked about that as well. We, we referenced a few weeks ago him standing up and teaching tackling when he wanted to get after a microphone. You know, that part, when it comes down to being able to stop the run in a traditional Big Ten game, that's how you're going to be evaluated because also the other team that's got that – Twenty-five to thirty percent chance of winning a national title. They're going to want to be able to line up and run on you as well.
0: Yeah, and, uh, and uh, you know, of really cool one of this. the incur- one of the encouraging things I saw uh, in the Ohio State spring scrimmage f- finale, I thought the linebackers played pretty well, and yeah. uh, I really like everybody's been raving. I'm talking about the coaches we've gotten to talk to, and even some of the players been raving about the way Tommy Eichenberg has continued his step up from the I call it the second half of the uh, of the Rose Bowl onward. And you could see that on Saturday, the little bit he got to play. But you know, they didn't play the the top linebackers a whole lot, but they did play pretty good. But Steel Chambers was in there, et cetera. But I I liked the, I liked what I saw because I didn't see linebackers getting caught up in the wash a lot like we did yeah. last year. And which, you know, even you and I, I mean, I don't, you know, I, I consider myself a little bit of a connoisseur of football. Whether I'm a super expert, you know, I don't know. I think you could argue against it, but I can see when things aren't. <laughs> being done correctly you can too and that's what got me is and I, like I've talked about the velocity this team is playing with that has a, a lot to do with it but it also told me there were some defensive defensive linemen getting the job done on Saturday uh you know you're going to give up points against the Ohio State offense I don't care if you practice against them every day uh Jackson Smith the Jigba's is going to get open on anybody uh right on down the line but do you agree with me that uh, you know, and that's Jim Knowles. Jim Knowles coaches the linebackers. Uh, I saw marked improvement just in that group. What's your what's your take? Well, no matter
1: no matter what scheme you run or however many defensive linemen you even put on the field, yeah, you have to play well in the trenches. And you know, you look at the last couple of years; they were not the kind of rushmen that Larry Johnson prides himself on. Like we can talk about them being close and. The number of pressures and hurries they were able to get, or Zach Harrison playing very well against the run, those things are all true. But you know, I don't remember in 2017 talking about. Well, just look at all the hurries that that group provided. I mean, my goodness, just collapsing the pocket. That group got sacks, and all four of the top defensive ends that were part of that did. No matter who was out there, they were getting to the pressure. So getting pressure and getting to the quarterback and putting him on the ground. So that's the part that has to come back. And that doesn't – it really won't matter what kind of scheme you run if your defensive linemen are getting pushed around against the run or not creating pressure against – getting sacks, whatever. That has to all start up front. I think that's where more than Tommy Eichenberg and Steel Chambers having great springs, it's Jack Sawyer, it's JT Tuimoloau, it's Tyleek Williams, it's Mike Hall, it's Ty Hamilton. Uh, that's where it's got to come from. And yeah, I'm not
0: – so. yeah. I'm, yeah,
1: I'm not meaning to to slight the veterans, and Zach Harrison and Javon, yeah. Javon Like Those guys are a key part of it. But when I look at it, and this – for the Silver Bullets as a whole, if they're going to get back to where they want to be, the highest ceiling is going to come from that, that group, the younger group of defensive linemen. Yeah, I agree. Very, very
0: impressive. Boy, that, that 2021 class, you know, could weigh heavily. <laughs> I mean, uh, this year and next. I mean, it's it's going to be a sight to behold. And, you know, when we did our wrap-up the other day from the stadium, that's what I I just – since there has been a changing of the guard there, I mean, that doesn't mean, you know, guy other guys aren't going to play. But I just think Jack Sawyer and uh, J.T. Tui Molowau asserted themselves, especially this spring. And, you know, you, you know, you, you were standing there, I think, when I was when uh, – during interviews one day when uh, I think it was tally Williams put it to Jack Sawyer on who's going to, you know, who do they think is going to win the uh, sack race uh, this year, the tackles or the ends, you know, and uh, I guess there's a hundred dollars riding on it, which, you know, I guess they can do that kind of stuff now, you know, now that there are name, image, and likeness involved. But, but the bottom line is, yeah, there's a competition. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There's a competition even in that room for one, you know, basically challenging the defensive end group to step up, you know. And uh uh I I just I'm very curious to see how that goes. I wanted to take get your take too on, you know, great line that Jim knows uses a lot is that uh he likes the way the corners the corners were playing in the spring. I'm talking about basically the top four or five guys. Uh but because they'll get up there and they'll punch, you know, they're 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 aggressive. I mean, you know, that's coming You know, that's coming from how they're being taught. I mean, Timmy Walton – excuse me, Tim Walton. He was Timmy Walton when he was a player. Tim (laughs) Walton, I think, has done a great job with that group. And Perry Perry Eliano with the safeties, boy, they really seem to have something going there. Uh, But you did see a more of a challenging, physical, get-after kind of approach. And as you and I have talked about a few times, it also helps that most of those guys have played, right? Uh, Played some last year. Some of them haven't. uh, But a lot of them have. And you just see a more of a confidence uh, in that group. Am I wrong?
1: No, and that that
0: punch word again. It kind of just
1: fits into this this way that I'm thinking about Ohio State's defense. Like Jim Knowles wants to be in, in press coverage, and he wants those guys getting physical and trying to create something right away. Yeah, but it's like, like, and you know why? But go ahead. But like, I just think philosophically, a bend but don't break defense, which we've seen with great success at times in the past for Ohio State um, and other programs, is fine. If that's how you're going to marry that with a a ball control, you want to play that type of tempo all game long, great. But it doesn't mesh that well with a team that wants to push the tempo and can score virtually every time it touches the football the way Ohio State and the nation's best offense can. So don't drop your corners deep. Don't sit conservatively and let somebody march down the field and try and get a field goal. Either, either press the issue, generate a turnover, generate a sack or a fast three and out, or get the heck off the field. Maybe that means you get beat. But you know that your offense can go score. Don't waste time, like just a 10 or 11-play drive for the defense. Like Either make something happen or get the heck out of the way. And that's – again, I don't know if that's exactly what Ryan Day was thinking when they put this together – But that's the way I'm looking at this right now for Ohio State. Like, I still don't think they have to pitch a shutout, and they never will. They're not going to have to be the 2002 Ohio State defense ever again as long as Ryan Day is running this offense and and he has the nation's number one quarterback year after year after year coming in and Brian Hartline coaching these wide receivers. Like, you need a good defense, and they're going to have to play very well in situations that those championship talent-equated situations. But you're going to score against everybody. You know, got to play complimentary football. And I don't think like sitting back and playing conservatively meshes well with what Ryan Day wants that his defense to do because he doesn't need that.
0: You know, when I think, when I hear the term bend but don't break, you know, the first thing that comes to my mind is an earthen dam. An earthen dam hangs in there pretty well. But boy, man, if it gets compromised, it goes quick, right? Yeah. Uh, you want, you know, you want the Grand Coulee, you know, you want the, uh, the Hoover Dam. I mean, that's what you want. From a defensive standpoint and by that i mean something that's just impressive uh that's going to get after that water <laughs> but uh but but you're right i mean you can be aggressive and don't break is the point and i think that's the point that jim Knowles is making uh, people have to play sound you have to be gap sound well, any defense you draw up has got to be gap sound and well he he impressed that point the other day when we were getting this it, during that lecture Every gap's got to be covered. But the flip side of it is you can still get after people. Yeah. You can still play back on the backside. You can still have help. But that doesn't mean the guys underneath have to, you know, mully-gully. They can get up there and get in, get in people's faces and get after it. And that's even when you're either in a man or a zone, you know. Go ahead. I'm sorry.
1: Yeah, no. I mean, I just want – because what you said is a good point. And I don't want to make it seem like I'm suggesting – Okay, we can just go be reckless. And oh, gambling. no, I knew you, I knew what you were suggesting. But you no, know, I mean, I, 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 can, I can hear what I'm saying, and that I, I think that I, I'm not suggesting that Ryan Day is okay with that. Like, okay, go ahead and get beat three times a game. Like, I don't think that's what they're saying, but no. I just that I, the, 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 there wasn't a great complimentary sense. And yes, you teach people how to be fundamentally sound, you're not being, uh, you're not going cover zero over and over and over. And just hoping to make a big play that way. Like, I, you know, Jim Knowles is doing this in a much more, uh, I don't know, well thought out
0: fashion, <laughs>
1: much, more, much more diligent and well thought out fashion than what I'm describing. I just, yeah, I, I'm oversimplifying it, but I, I think that, you know, because obviously when you're playing those better teams, you're not going to be able to just do, you know, line up and, and go crazy. Here's,
0: and here's, here's the point Jim Knowles and hasn't come out of his mouth and you know, probably never will because I'm saying it, but uh, he wants that offense to know whether they had success or not. They were in a fight. You know what I mean? Yeah. There was a fight. And uh, they had to fight for everything they got from the standpoint of, you're going to give up. They're going to give up some – play. hey, in that student appreciation day, we saw them give up uh, three or at least two seam routes to tight it ends wide open, you know. Yeah. Uh, that, those were definitely um, mistakes by the defense. and But it's a defense still learning his trade. But the point is he wants he wants that opposing team to know that to score, it's going to not only have to out-scheme you, but be in a fight with you down the field. And that's what Ryan Day wants, man. He talked about it, you know, about the second half of that Rose Bowl game. What was different? They came out and played with savagery. I mean, they got after Utah. Better players got after the other team. In other words, they exuded what – they have over them, which was better athletic ability across the board for the most part. Uh, not necessarily man, every man, but you know what I'm talking about there. And then they played with, like I said, the word velocity. They played fast. They just, if they made a mistake, they got got back up and and played the next play. And with the exception of that last drive with that backup quarterback in there by Utah, which was helped along by two legitimate pass interference calls against Rodney Hickman. Uh you know, they got done, they got the job done in that second half and there's been that run since then and I think Jim Knowles has come in and just thrown uh, logs on that fire. Do you, do you agree with that?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that like, college football and football in general has changed so much in that putting something together with the intent that you're going to win every single drive as a defense right, is not, not practical. It is not a realistic way of looking. It can be a fine goal to establish for yourself and you certainly don't want to tell your players with your approach hey it's okay to get beat a few times and the workers going to have the offense bail it out now that's not the way they're going to teach it that's not going to be the mentality it's not going to be the mindset but if if you're if you're being realistic if you're Jim Knowles I just think you know that you can take some of these chances and other other teams other offensive coordinators going against Ryan day or what he used to, what Jim Knowles have to go against Lincoln Riley and Heisman quarterbacks there at Oklahoma, like those, they're going to make plays.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: They're going to, you know, we saw CJ Stroud to Jackson Smith and Jigba against the blitz and a cover zero other offensive linemen are going to pick it up and good quarterbacks are going to complete passes and they're going to score. That's just going to happen. Yeah. It's, it's as you said that, you know, it's going to be a chess match and a challenge and that they need to earn it. And then if you win, he put up there that stop rate, you know, it doesn't have to be a 100% stop rate for Ohio state to win a national championship. It doesn't even have to be what it was at Oklahoma state, which I think the last season was maybe around 57%. I'd have to go back and look. I'm just trying to think about what that graphic it, it probably doesn't need to be that high. If you're complimenting Ohio state's offense, it doesn't mean that you lower your goals or your expectations because they, he has more talent to work with. So I don't know what it'll end up looking like. But I know that this is a system that can create, you know, advantageous situations for the defense that they can lead directly to points or enough stops to make this team incredibly dominant because the offense is not going to get any worse. And if the defense does get as the fractional better that you're talking about or much better,
0: that's a truly scary proposition exactly. for everybody in the Big Ten. Like, exactly. Ryan Day understands he did not have a championship defense last year, and he's done something about it. That's the bottom line. And everybody who was paying attention Saturday could see it. Now we're going to have an exercise in uh, uh, command, uh, personal command right now. No. Give me give me one don't, – don't name eight players to get to this one guy. Give me one player coming out of the spring – that people don't know anything about right now or know little about, maybe they know more about that player because of being at the spring scrimmage, the spring fling, whatever you want to call it. Uh, give me one player that you think is going to make an impact on this team in the fall. Um, it could be offense, defense, or special teams that you weren't sure about going into the spring. Go. He's pondering, ladies and gentlemen. For those of you listening on the radio or on the Stitcher or iPad or iTunes, etc., he's pondering.
1: Well, I'm I'm going to latch on to the last thing you said, which was that I wasn't sure about going into the spring, and that player that answered the most for me over 15 practices was Joe Royer. So, you know, I because and it's only because of what you said at the end, and and certainly even five six practices midway through when Cade Stover goes back to tight end, you wonder, well, do they have real concerns about Joe Royer being that elite do it all tight end in the mold of, you know, Luke Farrell and Nick Finette and Jeff Hireman and, and Jeremy Rucker on down the, the road, these NFL guys, do they, are they concerned about that? Is that why Cade Stover is going back? And physically you can see, I, I think that he's, He seems to me to be ahead of Jeremy Ruckert in that transition in terms of blocking and physically developing more so in terms of adding on that weight and going down towards the line of scrimmage and blocking people. than I thought Joe Roy would be. And then the catch that he made, especially just because there were some issues with that at times for the tight end position last year, you know, it was a great adjustment in the pocket, by the way, by Kyle McCord, uh, and a difficult throw and then a contested catch to the ground reaching back, strong hands, taking it all the way through contact to uh, score that touchdown, yeah. I thought that was a hugely significant play for Joe Royer. Now, it's one day and it's one practice, but I thought from start to finish th- those concerns weren't really there for him. And then I think um, that position has still got a little bit of a question mark in terms of the overall depth. I know that you can piece it together with Cade Stover handling the blocking. But Joe Royer looks like he's becoming that, that all-around option. Certainly, Jeep Scott can catch the football. We saw that on Saturday. You know that Mitch Rossi will be back uh, by the time training camp rolls around. You can piece piece that together, and I know that Kevin Wilson is skilled enough to do so, but I think that Joe Royer's spring is going to be a big deal, even if that's a position that we're not talking about 20, 30, 40 catches. That's not going to happen, but I think that he can be the kind of guy that they want to build around.
0: For those of you uh, listening uh, on one of your favorite uh, podcast areas, but uh, maybe not being able to see this, I was smiling throughout that whole thing because my man did did uh, stay disciplined there. But then he did end up naming about eight or nine other players, past, present, no, 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 and future, no, no. and future that was context for the rest of the unit. I I, didn't, I wasn't I know, crazy. I know. I tried to limit you to one name and you couldn't do it. And uh, that's okay because I appreciate it. I was only talking about Joe Royer. Yeah. My guy, my name, so I can name all kinds of players. I I can go all the way back to uh, Howard (laughs) hop Cassidy now, but uh, my player that uh, they, you know, this, don't you Austin, they're scheming. They are scheming for this guy. Number 21, Evan Pryor. They are scheming for this guy right now. Uh, Who knew that they were going to have a running back room? It's a shallow running back room with only three in it right now, scholarship guys and other guys coming in in the the, uh, summer. I'm not going to name him because that would be naming more than one guy. (laughs) Uh, But Evan Pryor, they've got to get him on the field. I think they understand that. And it's not just, man, we got to figure out a way. They're going to figure out ways to get him on the field because this guy, um, he has the – he has the guts to run up inside, but, boy, does he have the speed to beat you outside and the 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 wiggle, the, the moxie, the the one-cut ability, the three-cut ability, whatever it takes. Uh, that was on display a few times on Saturday, but you and I have seen it, yeah. you know. And that t- Student Appreciation Day scrimmage, I keep going back to that, the sad that made us mad because it was really Media Appreciation Day uh, <laughs> scrimmage. Uh, they ought to come up with something like SMAD, Student and Media Appreciation Day. There it it would make us all feel good, wouldn't it? But anyway, I digress. Evan Pryor is going to play. He's going to be a significant factor on this team, I think, if he stays healthy. And they, you already know they're scheming things. Uh, it's almost like Ryan Day, the times he's talked about him, it's almost like he was he, – he's almost saying without saying, man, I wish I'd have had that last year. Who knows what, what they would have done, right? <laughs> but – uh But he really likes what that guy brings to the situation because it is that that, uh, former running back that uh, has bounced around a couple of teams now in the NFL. I'm not going to name him because that would be cheating. No, it's Curtis Samuel. I'll throw that out there. Uh, (laughs) An an ex-Buckeye. But he gives you that ability, that inside-outside, but mainly that just quick strike ability from the backfield. You know, is he running a wheel route? Is he getting a handoff? Is he going inside on a counter? Is he uh, going right side behind Dewan Jones, cutting back inside uh, behind Matt Jones, uh, you know, the Jones. Uh, Jones brothers. Jones, yeah. Uh, yeah, the Jones brothers, Jones company, Jones topsoil. <laughs> They're moving some topsoil out there. But the bottom line is uh, you just that just adds something else now that defenses have got to be wary of. I think it complements what the guy that you just talked about Joe Royer because definitely I think he saw the opportunity and he is, he is taking the bit. Uh, I'm talking about Joe Royer. And uh, now you like Evan Pryor and those are just things that were, you is Ohio state going to find some other way to get, to make you worry? I think they found that in the spring. Agreed.
1: Yeah. It's interesting how we look at this because I said this on Saturday, you know, it's just, it's just nitpicking with the offense because it's so good. Yeah, it has the potential to be even better, and we're, you know, we're looking at the tight end position, and gosh, man, they, they, they need a little bit more. And then, well, what if you'd had the, you know, perimeter run game with Evan Pryor? Like, what would that have? How, how could that have diversified things if they were struggling uh, yeah. to find running like they were in the Michigan
0: game? Like, They're one offense in the country last yeah, year.
1: Like, huh? It's like, okay, I mean, we're talking about probably 15 total receptions for Joe Royer this year probably turn him into five touchdowns if I had to, you know, go ahead and make a bold prediction on it right now. And, and prior, you're talking about what can he do with four or five? Like, because the problem, and it's not a problem, it's the good problem to have, like you don't have to throw it to Joe Royer a lot because when you're throwing, you have Jackson Smith and Jigba, Marvin Harrison, Jr. Emeka Ibuka, Julian Fleming, uh, potentially healthy Cameron Babb, uh, emerging Jaden Ballard, like, and then Caleb Burton and Keon Grace, like, okay, well, they need a football. So how, mu- how far down the list are you going to go to tight end? And the same is true now. Like Travion Henderson, you're talking about arguably one of the top returning running backs in the country, if not the top returning running back going into his second year. And in the handful of times that he touched the football on Saturday, that burst certainly looked back. You, it tells you how much he was banged up and limited yeah. towards the end of that freshman year. And then Mayan Williams – what he can do when he's running over people and got ahead of steam. It's like, you know, you're, you're not going to have 150 plays to spread it around. And like, if they were anywhere else, you know that they would be getting two or three or four times the amount of touches that they'd get in Ohio state. But what, what does that mean if you get it to Joe Royer twice a game? What does it mean if Evan Pryor gets four chances on the edge and breaks one? Like, you know, it's, you're fitting all of that together and you have, they all have to understand that their roles are part of something that
0: is not the same if they were other places. To quote, uh, to quote the great Archie Griffin, the only two-time Heisman Trophy winner, you always need a pair and a spare, man. You always need a pair and a spare. And they've got three capable race car wheels out there, in my opinion. I well, mean, Brian Williams. I mean, seriously, dude, he would be playing a lot of places. Uh he would be that featured back guy. I think you agree with me on
1: that, don't you? And that's the part that when you're the pair and the spare, when you're getting through a season and the team is this talented and this good, hey, it, it wind up, winds up, you know, winds up hurting Justin Fields' stats or J.K. Dobbins' stats when they're in a Heisman race because they only get to play a half. Yeah. Now, if you have goals of playing, you know, 15 games – which this team does and could easily accomplish, you know, you can't worry about that part of it if you only play two quarters against Rutgers. You know, that they need to reward Evan Pryor and Mayan Williams for their work and recognize how good they are. And that may mean shorter work days at times for C.J. Stroud or Jackson Smith and Jigba or Travion Henderson because these guys are good enough and deserve to play a lot. But you also can't, and I think this has been something that maybe the defense learned a year ago, you can't do it at the expense of not playing your best players in the situations that demand it. Correct. So that's always, That's the fine line. And I think that last year for that entire coaching staff, as well as these players who went through it, they probably have a better appreciation for how that needs to be managed moving forward. And that, that doesn't mean that I don't think Evan Pryor is as good as Travion Henderson, but they're certainly different. And you have to figure out how you want to use each guy and it's not about keeping them happy it's not about you know fearing the transfer portal it's just that you have a lot of really good players but your best ones are going to be the ones that make the difference if you're going to win it
0: all yeah we're talking about three letters that matter in ryan day's vernacular T D S T (laughs) D's. and they've scored a lot of them since Ryan Day showed up sort of yeah. scored a lot of them since urban Meyer showed up. They have. And it's gotten, uh, become Buku, Buku or Boku, or you pronounce that a lot. So yeah. I don't think that's going to change. I mean, you know, we'll get into next week. We're going to talk a little bit about this next week. I promise this. And I'll forget all about it. Cause you know, I am 68, <laughs> but I want to talk about, you know, is there, and just don't talk about it now. Cause you and I would get going and we would, we would, some, we'd have to come up with something else right for next week. But, uh, Offensive line, I think the starting offensive line can be as good as almost anyone in the country. But, boy, after that, man, uh, uh, you know, what's it going What's it going to look like? We're going to talk about that next week. That's a tease. Uh, but you know what? Until next week, for Austin Ward, who found a way to stay disciplined even though – when I asked him to, even though he did end up cheating. But that's okay, Austin. I appreciate you. If you're not cheating, you're not trying. Great. For Austin Ward, this is Tim May with the Tim May podcast. We'll see you then. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered JumboCasino dot com.
1: It's my little escape.
0: Now Judy's the life of the party.
1: Oh baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon.
0: Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs>